This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. It is a Saturday morning. Welcome into another weekend. It is Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Good Saturday morning to you. Great to have you along for the ride today. I'm Andy Hoosier. Kick it off another weekend, ready to rock and roll. It is overcast. I don't know what we're supposed to get this weekend. That's going to be interesting to see. I heard we're supposed to get some rain again by next week. I'm sure farmers, ranchers will enjoy that with some of the drier conditions that we've had to deal with there. Hey, welcome in. Great to have you. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. I want to thank you for dealing with my voice the last couple of days after going through all that crud. Oh, good golly. I'm on the tail end of it. I tell you, between uh, they government doesn't tell you this, but do high doses of those vitamins. Boy, you really kick your immune system into gear, don't you? Yeah. Of course, if it was COVID, it would have just killed me, right? Because, you know, I mean, I didn't get that vaccine. So there is that. But I am on the uptrend. I'm feeling fantastic. So welcome aboard. And uh, we have a heck of a show lined up for you today. Bottom of the hour, Chris Kobach, candidate for attorney general. He'll be joining us as he is in the middle of his lawsuit right now, working with the three airmen from McConnell Air Force Base on the COVID-19 vaccine mandates that are coming out of the Biden administration for the military. And he is working on that lawsuit. We'll see where that's at and what the latest is there. We have some legislative updates for you that are coming out of Topeka. Some really interesting information of they are passing a bill out of the state Senate right now making ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine available for doctors to be able to prescribe in Kansas to battle COVID-19. Now, the media losing their minds over that because they say it's off-label use of drugs, and how dare we actually do that. So we'll get to that here in just a little bit as well. Plus, hour number two, we have Brian Fry, Wichita City Councilman, and uh, he'll be in studio. It's been way too long since we've chatted with him, and looking forward to that chat. Uh, All of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. Also online at philscoins.com. They are opening up in about 25 minutes from now until 2.30 this afternoon, and it has been too long since we've had this guy back in studio with us as well. Mr. Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins. Phil, how are you, sir? Just fine, sir. It's good to see you again. Happy Saturday. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, we are kicking off 2022 with a bang, are we not? Oh, Lord. It never bang. ends. It don't. It never ends. You guys are in a really good position. I always say it's not only just in Wichita or just the state of Kansas, but you guys are so regional because if anybody needs silver or gold, you're like the only place to get it right now. You know, we talk about that, and you and I had somebody come in the other day, and they was talking about uh, a big company out of uh, Arizona, uh, Johnson, not Johnson Matthew, J M Bullion. Okay, you know they're one they're one of the big places in the country, and somebody sure. called out there the other day, and he wanted to buy some silver, and they told him forty five days. Forty five yeah, days. If, they, if he wants something, it's forty five days. I've got people calling from Florida. I got people calling from California. I don't. They, they're finding us on the internet and going. We see that you have silver. So how long is the wait to get it? Uh, if you send us a check, we'll send you the silver. We have it in stock. Yeah. So basically, we're one of the few places, even in the United States, even the big boys don't have it. How do you do it? How do you do it, Phil? Like I, I, I order. I order every. I order literally. I order every day. I told. I talked to Elliot last night, one of my suppliers, and and we was talking, and I said, Yeah, hopefully I won't have to bother you today. And he goes, 
well, if you don't bother me today, I'll call you just to see how you're doing. That's right. So, I mean, but yeah, but we order, uh, yesterday we ordered like 22,000 ounces yesterday. Wow. I mean, we we order basically 1,000 to 5,000 ounces a day every day. And every time I sell 500, I buy 500. If I don't keep it coming, but right now the silver supplies are about 90 days or 60 days out. So what I'm buying today, I mean, I've got 20, almost 28,000 ounces on order. And, and I still have some. I don't have much, but I still have some. You still have some. Yeah. At some point, you're going to have to start rerouting outside of the supplier that you have and go just directly to the mine. And I've always joked about that, you know, last few weeks already, but you're just going to have to buy your own mine and just have it it come straight from there. My my supplier out of Texas is working on such a small margin. He actually offered to tell me who his supplier was so we could go straight to the foundry. But the difference is a quarter. I mean, it's not, you know, he's working on nickels and dimes, but. We're his largest, uh, we're the largest client he has in the United States. He says that we can go anywhere in the anywhere in the United States and be somebody. When did this demand really hit this peak level right now? Is it because I'm sure it's because of the uncertainty with the Biden administration, with uh, maybe inflation, maybe with the war, with other things going on? But when did it hit this type of crazy demand? Because I, it's been a high demand for a couple of years now, but it's this been, is like yeah, another it's been, level. Yeah, it's been like that for at least the last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's. It, it it is just absolutely crazy. People are coming in. They're running scared to death. The government. They've got money in the banks, and now they're worried about the government closing the banks. Sure. Uh, after what they did in Canada when they started closing bank accounts for people to give money to the truckers, and they're and they're going. Well, they couldn't do that in this country. Well, I'm sorry, people, but the government can do whatever they want to do. And if you're only talking a small number of people, less than a hundred thousand. Who cares? They've got, you know, divide and conquer. That's been the Obama and Biden administration, divide and conquer, you know, turn everybody against everybody. And that's exactly what they're doing. And these people are running scared. They got money in the banks going. The banks ain't paying any interest. I just will pull it out and do something with it. Sure. Wow. It's unbelievable to watch some of this. Well, not to mention uh, also when we see now when we're all these sanctions are putting on China with cutting off the financial institutions, cutting off from debit cards and credit cards, cutting off from social media. I mean, obviously, they're not doing good things in Russia right now, but it's hurting their people. And we're seeing their people now. They can't access their bank accounts. They can't access their social media. It's kind of a scary thought that I think maybe awaken a lot of people of, wait a second, like if that can happen to them, when could it happen to us if we're the undesirables because we're the evil conservatives that cling on to our guns and Bibles, right? That's right. I mean, there's a fear there. Oh, yes. There's absolutely. definitely a fear there. I mean, I hear it. I mean, people come in here and go, God, I got money in the bank. Why do I have it in the bank? I'm an idiot. Yeah. So they're, they're, putting, it into, they're putting it into silver and gold. I had a guy come in the other day, 90, 92 years old, drove, drove in from Derby. He, he spent a little over $10,000. Wow. Wrote me a check yesterday, and, and we, ordered, we ordered, he wanted gold bars. I didn't have any gold bars, so I ordered some for him. Told him I ordered a few more extra just in case there's other people wanting them too. And he goes, well, when I come back to pick up my gold bars, I might just go ahead and take the rest of them. So, yeah, the way it is. Looking at the markets the last couple of days, we wrapped up over the week with silver, what, about $25-ish in some sense? About twenty five fifty. Interesting. Has that been really the medium lately? I know. It, it got up over 26, started pushing 27, then fell back. And I, I've, every time it falls back, I just shake my head. I, I cannot find anything 
that justifies it, but I do know that we listened to somebody the other day on the radio and they were talking about talking to the bankers. The bankers have supposedly gone to some schools. The big bankers have gone to the schools for like the last three months, and they're talking about some kind of new financial structuring of our banks. Hmm. And nobody can tell you, but, you know, so it's out there. Interesting. Well, we did get the uh, clip from Joe Biden talking about a new, quote-unquote, new uh, liberal world order and wanting to try and you know to bring more countries into this new liberal world order and controlling the financial institutions and so on and so forth, which I think has a lot of people up on edge right now. Yeah, I was talking to a guy yesterday, you know, talking about Ukraine, talking about a guy yesterday, and he goes, they're going, the Biden administration is going to bring 100,000 Ukrainians, and they're not going to bring them into the country because there would be hell raised about that, but they're going to take them in and bring them into Mexico, and then since you can't, uh, Biden didn't sign the new law that Trump had in place. If you come over here, we'll ship you back. There's like 100, 150, almost 200,000 Hispanics waiting at the border. And as soon as this doesn't pass, they're coming over and there's nothing we can do about it. So Biden's going to put, put them into Mexico and bring them across the border. And they're in this country. And I told somebody and I said, the Biden administration will be giving them a Social Security check. And what's, what scares me and make, makes me so mad is that I've worked all my life to get a Social Security check, and you can walk across the country, and you can get as much money as I'm getting now. Yeah. Now, what is wrong with this picture? We cannot finance and take care of the world. We can't take care of our own. We can't take care of our own. Why are we taking care of everybody else? It's a plan for self-destruction, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, it's what it seems like. Well, I mean, you know, they just start cutting everybody else's Social Security checks so they can make money for somebody else. Social Security system is basically broke. You know, I mean, the Democrats are in power. The Democrats are prepared to spend whatever it takes. They don't care who, who they financially ruin, but they are prepared to do whatever it takes because they're in power and all it's about is staying in power. They're going to let all these illegals in and they're going to expect them all to vote. And because the Democrats let you in, you're going to expect to vote for the Democrats. I mean, they can't pull, they can't get away with this paper, paper trail crap that they pulled last time and they know it because everybody's watching for it now. So they're just going to have, you know, I'm surprised that they're not bringing China people over here by the boatloads. Bring them in there. It's a, it's so fascinating to watch these guys. They're, they're spinning and spiraling downward right now, and yet they feel like they have support. There's a fringe of the Democrat Party that feels like they're going in the right direction. But, I mean, obviously right now with the poll numbers for Biden, with Kamala Harris, with the Democrats in general, with Republicans up near seven points overall nationwide, I think that the American people are starting to see what's going on now. You got to be an idiot not to. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I would hope so. I, would I mean, hope so. you know, yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I, I, don't, I you know, appar- apparently I only do business with intelligent people because they all, <laughs> they all have the same opinion I do. I think there's you're talking they all day, get it. And this guy goes, "Why don't you tell it how you really feel, Phil?" And I popped it off and I said, "That's how I really feel." And he goes, "Not a doubt in my mind." Net, net, you know what? I, I think there's a lot of uh, very smart individuals that come yeah. and see you, uh, both uh, whether it is for a specific coin, whether it's for the backup or for the security or whatever the reasoning is. Uh, speaking of, I mean, with the coins outside of just trying to find some type of security in the crazy markets that we have right now, uh, looking for collectors types of coins. You still have plenty of those. Are those still a popular item right now, though? Ever since this COVID thing hit, everybody quit selling. They got, they, I guess they were afraid to get out. I mean, the stuff we were, we went from buying. Hundred twenty-five thousand a week down to maybe ten thousand a week, hmm. and then and we went, you know, and I at one time I had a, a a box of dollars, good dollars, silver dollars, and I probably had three hundred in there, and there was a time a guy come in and want to look at my good dollars. I had three, I had three out of three hundred, 
And I mean, they're driving. If you have a, sh- they had a show in Grove, Oklahoma, and they flew in from the east and west coast trying to buy coins. There is a coin shortage everywhere as far as trying to buy collector stuff. We have been blessed because I have been buying fifty thousand to hundred thousand dollar collections. I've got them stacked up. Sure, uh, we'll go pick up another one uh, Monday. We're gonna go pick up another collection. I just finished a. A collection. I mean, I've been in the back room buying collections for the last month. All I've been doing is buying collections. Sure. So it's, but all of a sudden we're having an influx of coins, buying some of the nicest stuff I've ever owned. And so I've got dealers coming from all over, walking through the door. And I've even, I even put limits on how much they can buy. Wow. It's crazy. But yeah, but we're, we're selling everything. We're selling everything. Everything from just the regular silver. What is the popular? The silver round still? Just the regular silver round? Yeah, we sell more silver rounds than gold than anything. We literally almost run out of gold the other day. I mean, Even we gold, were, too, now. Oh, yeah. We, we ordered 60 ounces of gold in one day. Wow. I mean, you know, so it's, you know, we we got a lot of fractional gold. I've got We have fractional gold. We got quarter-ounce gold on sale right now. You can buy two quarter-ounces cheaper than you can buy a half-ounce, which that's never the way it is. Interesting. But we, have, but we have so many of them right now that we're, we've got a sale, and as soon as those are sold, then the sale will go away. You're a popular guy, Phil, I tell you. Good golly. I guess. Everybody I wants to come see Phil Martinez. It's 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 amazing, but the phones are ringing off the hook. They're calling from all over the country just for the fact that they we actually have gold, silver in stock. Sure, most companies don't. Yeah, well, that's that's why you're the go-to guy. Let's take a break here. Twenty minutes past the hour. It's Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins, ninety-three forty-four West Central Avenue, uh, where you can go here in about ten minutes and go check out the stock. And right now in the shop, what uh, what is available if someone walked in and tried to buy a whole bunch of stuff? You got everything that you need, right? At this point, I do. Okay, all right. I just got all my gold back in stock, and uh, and I'm supposed to have like twenty two thousand ounces of silver next week. Interesting. We'll talk about some of that when we come back here. Three one six seven two one eight two five five three one six seven two one talk. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you about some of this. We'll talk about the the latest gold and silver markets right here on Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Okay. Twenty-four minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Hey, good Saturday morning to you. Trying to get you up and moving for the weekend. Another one ready to rock and roll for you here. Phil Martinez of Phil's Coins, ninety-three forty-four West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. He's hanging out with us here for a few more minutes before they head on over and get things all opened up, ready to go. Uh, I want to remind everybody as well with the, uh, the the gold and silver stuff as you talk about the massive amount of quantity that you go through, which is just insane uh, listening to this. And I love it because, you know, it shows, number one, that people are interested in this, that people are aware of things, that maybe they're trying to take things into their own hands and, and protect themselves in some way, shape or form. And I love the fact that you guys are the place that uh, they're going to because, you know, you treat everybody right and you want people to be protected like this. But I want to remind everybody that you don't have to walk in with, you know, $10,000 to purchase gold and silver, right? I mean, you can go in and buy a, you know, a silver round, a single silver round, which which I always tell you every week. I'm like, I'm going to start doing it again. And I really yeah. need to start doing it before uh, you guys do actually run out of this stuff. But you can go in there with, you know, to buy a single thing here and there, correct? Oh, yeah. Got yeah. A guy comes in every Friday, buys one ounce. One ounce. I mean, I've got them to buy one. We got we see a lot of one to one to five, one to six. Somebody come in with a hundred, two hundred dollars. Sure. I mean, you know, it's it's you know, I you know, a guy goes, well, I kept thinking I was going to get started. I was going to get started. I was going to get started, and I said, yeah, well, thinking you're going to get started, 
and you never buy that first one, you never get started. Yeah. Once you start, you realize that, man, it don't take a whole lot of money, and I can buy one or two or three, you know, come in, you know, like have a lot of guys that, you know, those get paid once a month, come in once a month, they're going to spend 100 200 $300. But, you know, but every time you put a dime back, it's like putting money in the bank. If you put it in the bank, at some point, you've got something to fall back on if you need it. Yeah. And that's what I like, I like about silver. Yeah, that is very true. We've kind of wanted to go to the route of, you know, going the, the Dave Ramsey style, having our $1,000 emergency fund, yes. but then trying to take half of that emergency fund and make it into a gold and silver or putting it into silver. That way, you know, number one, it's harder to actually spend it. If, yes. You know, we do need to borrow it. It really, we have to think about it. Do we really want to break into that silver and resell it? And go that way uh, because that way you can set it aside. It, number one, it's not in the bank. Number yeah. two, it's it's more difficult to actually spend, and it's not just sitting there. And I think that's the best way for people that are just like, oh, to have that safety net, that's maybe a good way to look at things. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have I had a guy come in. He, at the end of the month, any silver, had, any money had left over, he bought silver. Yeah. But then he started, every once in a while, he had to sell some back. And I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I spent any, any money I got left over, I put it in silver. And then when something comes up that I'm short, then I got to sell the silver back. Yep. And I said, I'm, I'm, but God, I'm tar- I, I hate to buy it back because I know you just bought it this week. You lost money. Right. You're not buying this stuff to lose money. Right. So I finally told him, I said, you know, why don't you, he's never had to sell me more than $1,000. Sure. And I said, why don't you put back $1,000 and save it? Then when you get your $1,000 put back, then if you want to go back to buying silver, great. But then if you need $500 or $600, $700, you got something to fall back on. And then don't, don't buy any more silver until you put that back $1,000. Right. And he goes, why would you care about me? I don't sell. I don't people. I don't sell people silver and gold to watch them lose money. Sure. It drives me crazy to watch people lose money. Yeah. I mean that that's the case. You know, if you're going to buy it and buy it and turn around and sell it and lose money on it, you just will put your money in the bank. Sure. No, that's very true. Uh, and it's it's a great way to set money aside, but yet still have some just a little bit available in case yeah. you need it. And uh, instead of go back because it does it hits you hard when you need to go back to Phil and say, Phil, I'm sorry, but I got to sell this back because I need this for something my car broke down and now i'm losing money on the investment that i just made with silver and that's uh that hits hard a little bit yeah it, it does and we you know the, the, you know the, the thing is you know the government don't want you to you know what you got people to understand is the government does not want you to own silver and gold they want you dependent on the government they don't want you to be able to take care of yourselves i mean this is why you can't put precious metals in a safety deposit box the government don't want you to have anything that they don't know about and so if you're bumming in and buying a little silver and gold and taking it home and sticking it under the mattress or putting it in the coffee can or burying it in the backyard, whatever, the government does not want you to have this. They don't like that. God, I told much. somebody for no other reason, you go out and buy it just because the government don't want you to have it. Hey, you know what? That's enough reason for a lot of people. Absolute, I think. Oh, yeah. yes, absolutely. Oh, you don't want me to have it? I guess I need to go get some. Yeah. Oh, darn. Between that and ammunition, I think that uh, you know, people <laughs> in good shape, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I mean, technically, lead's a precious metal. Yeah, know what, hey, you know what you got. You were absolutely right on there that one. Go. And uh, between the guns, the ammunition, and the uh, the silver and gold, I think people would be in good shape. All right, but speaking of that stuff, are you still? Uh, do you still have the like the food rations, the the freeze dried stuff? You, I know you guys were selling some of that a while ago. We were selling a lot of it, but we've kind of gotten out of it. But we'll give people, we had somebody come in just not yesterday, but the day before yesterday, and we give them the number, uh, telephone number of uh, Thrive dot com or something like that. Uh, okay, Mormons build it out. Right now, if you want freeze-dried food and stuff like that, there's probably a 90-day wait. Really? I mean, every, I had somebody talking about it. It's like everything else. It's going through the ceiling. 
and there's a lot of people buying it, and it's it's getting really a lot, a lot of this prepper stuff's getting hard to get. Getting hard to get. We're out of Kinda time, like, my like friend. My guns and ammo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of it. It's getting hard to find, yep. and you got to wait on it to actually get there. Phil Martinez, we're out of time. Philscoins.com, also 9344 West Central Avenue. They're opening up here in just a couple of minutes. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Let's do this again here soon. Enjoy talking to you, and God bless all you people out there. Always a great time. We'll take a break. When we come back, right around the corner, we have Chris Kobach, candidate for attorney general. He will be talking, actually, I believe, at a shooting range today as we talk to him about some of the latest legal issues that he's working on. We'll do that when we come back with Mr. Chris Kobach. Plus, Brian Fry, Wichita City Council member in hour number two, right around the corner here on Candace Talk on KQAM. Stay here. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker, KQAM. 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, KQAM. Thanks for hanging out on a Saturday morning, getting you up and moving, grooving for the day. Boy, what a week it's been. We had the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings at uh, Washington, D.C. We'll get to, we'll talk about some of that here in a little bit. We have Brian Fry, Wichita City Council member, and... Uh, a, he's got some big stuff going on. We'll talk with him in hour number two, right around the corner. For some reason, COVID-19 back in the news all over the place. And it's kind of fun to watch as now we have this new variant, this BA.2 variant of Omicron. That's like the lesser variant and a new var- the sub-variant of the lesser variant as well. But yet we all need to panic and go get the vaccine, right? That's, that everybody panic. Everybody lose their minds. For those of you that missed it during the week during during our national broadcast on The Voice of Reason, we this week had the honor to talk with Dr. Robert Malone, which if you don't know who that is, he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, a whole bunch of national media outlets. He is like he holds like seven or nine different patents for the mRNA technology for the vaccines and then said, wait a second. No, you don't need to get three or four or five booster shots. No, you don't just need to rush out and just be forced to get a vaccine. There is a bigger agenda here. They're using this technology that he created, by the way. They're using it for a malicious intent. You don't need to do that. And uh, he's been silenced all over social media. We had the honor to talk to him a couple of days ago. You can find that on our podcast and uh, highly recommend that you do. I had gotten some emails that the podcast actually wasn't as public as some of the other ones, and people had to look a little harder to find it because, well, of course, his name's on there, and we mentioned the word, uh, what is it, uh, mass formation psychosis that he kind of coined, and uh, the mainstream media and the podcast sites really don't like that stuff. So if you want to go find it, you can find it. You can also find it on our website as well. In our state legislature, we're also getting some word that right now, There is some legislation being pushed to to allow, again, trigger warning for those on the other side, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine to be used and to be allowed to be written as prescriptions from doctors here in the state to battle COVID-19. Again, very scary. And the media losing their minds is off-label use of these drugs. So uh, the battle continues as we try to actually expose what the heck's going on and we try to fight some of these COVID-19 vaccines. And on the line with us to talk about what he's doing as he's battling some of this stuff as well, which is awesome. I'm sure you saw the headlines over the last week or so of some airmen in uh, the Air Force battling the Biden administration's mandates on the military to get the COVID-19 vaccine with the mandates that are still in place, unfortunately. And uh, this guy's been kind of the front and center with leading that charge. He is candidate for attorney general, former secretary of state for the state of Kansas, 
Mr. Chris Kobach. Chris, how are you, my friend? Uh, good morning, Andy. Great to be with you. Ah, it's great to talk to you. It's a lot of stuff going on. COVID back in the news. Obviously, like Russian and uh, Ukraine's not as sexy any- anymore, so we got to come back to like COVID talk, right? <laughs> the never-ending pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's extraordinary what's happening to the military because you know right now as the rest of us are what's to the fact that the pandemic has is, is more or less done and it's not we're, we're done with all these ridiculous shutdowns the u.s military is continuing to fire to discharge members of the military who say look i have a a, a religious objection to this i'm not going to do it and uh, as you mentioned uh, i brought a lawsuit uh, on the 8th of march in, in wichita uh, we, we it's a group of 36 airmen uh, some are based in wichita and mcconnell the other are based up in uh, nebraska at offutt air base and we did a press conference in both cities and we have a federal lawsuit uh, asserting the First Amendment free exercise of religion freedom, uh, as well as the Religious Freedom Restoration Act of 1993. And, and our, our airmen have a very strong case uh, that they are you know, basically the military is just rubber stamping, reject, reject, reject on every single application for a religious exemption. Uh, there have been approximately 5,000 religious exemptions rejected and about 20 granted. That's a 99.6% rejection rate. How about that for, wow. uh, you know, the military giving you a fair shake? And, and those 20 that they granted were cases where the, the Department of Justice has admitted those were cases where the person was nearing retirement anyway. So the military just said, okay, fine. Um, it's, it's astonishing. The guys who are fighting for our freedoms and putting their lives on the line are having to forfeit their own freedoms. And it's... Uh, it, I really feel strongly about this lawsuit. I feel we're going to win, but I, more than that, this is one, a fight that has to be fought because the notion that you would force airmen to give up their religious freedom, uh, you know, for this ideologically driven vaccine. At this point, it, you know, we know it's ideologically driven because the vaccine doesn't stop the spread of Omicron or this subvariant weaker version of Omicron. So the only reason they're doing it is just because President Biden wants to do it. I, I, have we ever been in a situation to where when uh, first off, have we ever been in a situation like this where we've just blatantly just massive over overbearing blanket of we're going to mandate a vaccine for everybody. But then when we say, wait a second, I have a religious or a medical exemption to this. Have we ever been in a position like this to where we just openly deny it and say, no, you're not allowed to say that your religion exempts you from taking this vaccine. You have to do it. Never on this scale, Andy. There have been cases in, in, in decades ago with various vaccines, and, and people have asserted uh, religious objections to other vaccines, but never on this scale. And, of course, the, the objection with the, the mRNA uh, vaccine, there are multiple. Not only is there the many of our airmen uh, are very pro-life and they you know feel scripturally that you know the 139th Psalm and other portions of the Bible uh, clearly uh, you know, command a pro-life view and would forbid the benefit from the use of aborted fetal cells. But you also have other portions of the Bible because, you know, the mRNA te- te- technology is genetic therapy. And so you're kind of messing with the body's uh, makeup. And there have been some studies suggesting it can have a reverse effect on the body's DNA. But I won't get into that. Anyway, no, never on this scale uh, and never has the federal government, the federal government of the United States has never, ever, ever attempted to mandate a vaccine or any religious treatment on anyone. Uh, this is a an abuse of federal power. Let me tell you one more thing that I think your listeners will really find interesting and troubling. So uh, about half of our uh, plaintiffs are pilots, actually more than half, uh, 19 of them, uh, sorry, 17 of them, about half. Uh, and they fly 
the ones up in Omaha fly the RC-135. The ones in, uh, in Wichita fly the KC-135. Guess how much money it costs us taxpayers to train one pilot of an RC-135? I could only imagine. $5.5 million. <laughs> That's to train one pilot. So these 17 guys, we taxpayers have $93.5 bucks invested in their training. They're very senior. And they're, perform- they're being deployed already. The military has no problem with deploying these guys unvaccinated. Uh, the Air Force knows that there's no threat to anyone yeah. uh, on board the plane or elsewhere. Uh, they are a threat to our enemy, of course. <laughs> but the point is, you, you are taking all of this money that we taxpayers have invested in training the best pilots in the world of these aircraft yeah. and flushing it down the toilet. And you can't just you know go advertise for a Southwest pilot and say, hey, can you uh, – uh, can you fly this uh, KC-135 for us? No, it's, it's a very sophisticated aircraft. It takes years to train them. That's a, That would be hilarious. Hey, Bob, you know what? We got rid of our pilot. You just want to cover this for me here? We need to get rid of this guy. Uh, it's insane how they're just ready to just walk away from so many people and so much money that they've invested in all over the place. This is really the last big mandate that's in the country, isn't it? I mean, we've gotten rid of the, at least right now, we've gotten rid of the mandate from uh, OSHA of uh, companies with 100 employees or more. We've gotten rid of some of the other uh, bureaucratic states uh, from the Biden administration with their mandates on on contractors and subcontractors, the federal government. This is really the last big one is the military uh, personnel, isn't it? It is. The, uh, this is the biggest remaining one. There's also another very big one, and that is the one on recipients of Medicare, Medicaid. That one is still mm. working through the courts. Um, but, but this is certainly the biggest one. We, you may have heard the Navy SEALs uh, are bringing the same uh, kind of claim that I am bringing on behalf of our airmen, uh, and that was in Texas. That case is in the Fifth Circuit right now, uh, the court, U.S. Court of Appeals. Um, if, if our case moves up to the circuit, it'll be the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. The, the Supreme Court issued a ruling, but it was a very narrow ruling on a, on a – it's called the shadow docket, where a case goes up to the Supreme Court <clears throat> just on a preliminary injunction motion, and then it'll come back down. Uh, but it, it's not one that really goes to the heart of the question. So this case still has a, a bit of time before it's resolved. Um, but, yeah, you know, the, the reason the OSHA mandate is gone, remember, is not because Joe Biden suddenly realized the idiocy of what he was doing or the fact that it was illegal. is because we sued. Uh, I brought a lawsuit on behalf of some North Dakota businessmen and employees, along with other states and other plaintiffs bringing lawsuits. All of our suits were combined into one giant case. We then went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled and said, no, you don't have the authority to do this, Biden. It's under the uh, OSHA Act, the Occupational and Safety and Health Act. Uh, there's no authority to do this. So, you know, thank goodness we still have an independent judiciary, and we can enforce our constitutional freedoms and our statutory rights. Yeah, amen to that. We're talking with Chris Kobach, former Secretary of State, candidate for Attorney General here in the state of Kansas. What is the next step for your lawsuit right now? I mean, do you think this is one that's going to get up to the Supreme Court of the United States at some point to really make a uh, a, a decision for the entire military at some point? Is it going to be that grain of a scale? It could be. Um, our suit, we, we filed a motion for preliminary injunction about a week ago. Uh, the it all kind of depends on how fast the various courts move. So there's our case. Uh, we would hope that the judge would issue a ruling. I would hope within the next month. There still has to be a little more briefing done, um, maybe a little more than a month, and then that case could rapidly move to the Eighth Circuit. Uh, you've got another case in Florida. So I think between the Navy SEALs case in Texas, uh, the other case in Florida, and then our case uh, here in Kansas and Nebraska, uh, you know, one of them is likely to get to the Supreme Court. You never quite know which one is going to go. Sometimes the 
the court will say no to the first case because there's not a circuit split where one circuit court of appeals disagrees with another. Then they'll take the second case. So hard to say which one goes to the court, but I think it's likely that one of them will. Talking on a little bit more malicious intent here, obviously we're one of the last holdouts in the world that's actually doing some of this. We're seeing all the other nations in the world getting rid of their mask mandates, getting rid of their vaccine mandates, and here we're slowly easing things up right now. I mean, obviously it's not that big of a deal since Congress was able to go to the State of the Union a, a month ago and not have to wear masks there, but why are we the last holdouts on getting rid of these mandates and still trying to drive this in, even when Fauci says, oh, you know, we're behind the UK and this new subvariant's coming out, and they're not having an increase of hospitals or deaths, we're just seeing an increase in cases of a really mild case of, of COVID, but we need to be careful here. We need to go get vaccinated. What's the holdout here for us to just say, you know what, heck with this, we're getting back to normal? Well, you know, I, I think the answer is, is probably that it's political. Look, the Biden administration uh, has a political incentive, they believe, uh, in continuing this sort of atmosphere of, um, you know, the, the government's going to protect you, we're in control. You know, I think that's a miscalculation on their part. I think yeah. politically, uh, Americans are tired of this. I, so I think it has to. It's not the science. The science certainly isn't driving this. It's not driving the military mandate. It's not, you know, the it's not military sense because you're you're about, we're about to fire some of our most uh, senior pilots. Remember, our, our lawsuit is only 17 pilots out of 36 airmen total. But there are hundreds and hundreds of highly trained pilots that are about to be canned by the military for no good reason. Sure. And by the way, Andy... Some of these guys, one of our pilots, and, and many of the fighter pilots, indeed virtually all of the fighter pilots, uh, they fly aircraft where you're wearing your, you know, because it has an ejection seat, the pilot must wear his own oxygen mask. <laughs> he's not sharing air with anyone yeah. on that airplane. Yet the military is saying somehow he's, he's a COVID threat to somebody. It's nonsense. And yeah. it has to be driven by something other than science and logic. That means it's either politics or money. My bet is it's probably a little bit of both. I would have to agree with that one. Chris Kobach, candidate for attorney general. we got just a couple of minutes left here. How else is the campaign going? It was good to see you a couple weeks ago at the state Republican uh, convention, which i got to say there's a lot of energy building up to an election this year. I think a lot a, a lot of people turned out for that. It was a great event. But how are things on your end through the campaign trail? You know, it's going really well. A lot of support across the state. And, you know, I'm realizing, and so are a lot of my supporters, realizing that, you know, <laughs> Given my background as a you know a person, I sued the Biden administration over the DACA amnesty. Sorry, the Obama administration over the DACA amnesty, and my third suit against the Biden administration as a private attorney. In this time and in this place, this is really where I feel I can do the most good for our country and and for uh, for states' rights, for gun rights, for all all these issues that you and I care so much about. So I really feel compelled uh, to you know to win this office and uh, defend the rights of Kansans and really the whole country because. The only official who can take when, – when, when Republicans do not control Congress and you have an out-of-control Democrat administration in the White House, the only elected official who can actually put the brakes on the White House is a state attorney general because – well, he's virtually the only one – because he can bring lawsuits to stop them cold in court. Sure. And that's what I intend to do. I intend to sue the Biden administration every single time they break the law, and frankly, that's a lie. I love it. You've been rocking it. Like you said, you've been doing this for a long time, and you've been fighting them in the law, in the courts for a very long time. And it's frustrating. It seems like you're banging your head against the wall a lot of times, but it's necessary because we got to stop these guys in every way that we can. Chris, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. God bless you. I know you're extremely busy. Let's get you back on the show again real soon. 
All right, sounds good. Good talking with you. Hey, you as well, my friend. Always a pleasure. We'll get you back on here real soon. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number one. Brian Fry, Wichita City Council member. He's right around the corner in hour number two as well. Haven't talked about some city issues in a while, so we'll do that here in a bit as well. It's Candace Talk. It's the Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. talking again with the AARP, whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online, aarp.org slash KS for the state of Kansas, or also go on their social media, like them and follow them as well. Glenda's back on the line with us this week. Glenda, how are you today? I'm good, Andy. Very good. good. Very good. Always good to talk to you. The Fraud Watch Network, a major portion of the AARP with what you guys are doing, focusing on frauds, focusing on theft, focusing on the shady things going on in the world. One thing that's been a huge uh, concern for a lot of individuals has, of course, been identity theft. Talk about the latest of what we're seeing in this realm. Right, right, right. Well, good morning again, and thank you. One thing that we're finding when we look at it overall, as far as adults are concerned, over half of 52% of Americans don't check their uh, free credit report at, uh, annually. And so that's just one of the things that's really causing these numbers to rise. But we are seeing the, na- the, the numbers rise of identity theft in, to, in uh, the Kansas area. Uh, looking at Kansas overall uh, as a nation, uh, where we rank in the nation, we have actually doubled uh, in the last year from 2019 to like 2021. Um, we, the amount of money that's lost. Uh, in identity theft, it went from $10 million in 2019 to over $20 million um, in, um, last year in 2021. So it's really an issue that we have to be concerned about here in Kansas. And it's specifically, if we look at the metro areas, looking at um, uh, Lawrence, for example, Lawrence is number two. Um, uh, Topeka would be number three. Wichita, number four. Uh, these are just areas around us. Manhattan, number eight. So identity theft is really an issue here in Kansas and really just in our surrounding area. So, yes, it's, it's really impacting us and something we need to be aware of. It is impacting us. And as you said, I mean, the numbers doubled over the last few years. Why do you think that is? Just people not paying attention, not having really the uh, red tape or the screening of the protocol to, to try and protect themselves? Why do you think we've seen such a big jump? Well, I think some of the things that we could be um, overlooking some of the warning signs, and uh, just to share a few of those warning signs with you and with, with everyone, you know, for example, looking at your uh, bank and your credit card statement withdrawals, anything that you didn't make, uh, you know, checking those, those are warning signs that, uh, that something's happening if you see those appearing on your bank statements. Or you get a bill or an invoice for financial activity that you don't recognize or like medical services, and especially right now, uh, services that you didn't receive. You know, those are things that are giving us some warning signs that maybe we are overlooking them. Uh, you're con- contacted by a debt collector for a debt of something that you don't owe. Those are just some examples of some of the things that people could be, uh, we could be overlooking that really opens one up for uh, identity theft. And you receive a notice from a bank or that you don't even do business with that, um, you know, that's, that there's been a data breach. 
So you give them your information so that, you know, to protect yourself. And actually they take advantage of that. Sure. How scary. It really is. Now, you already mentioned using like free credit uh, reports to be able to check your credit score, be able to check what's on your credit report. What other tips do you have to try and really screen some of this and protect yourself from this identity theft? Yes, yes. And so one of the, just a few others, or uh, be sure that you use security software on your devices. You know, all of your computers that you use, make sure you keep those updated. Uh, do set up online access to your bank and your credit card accounts. But, and you should check them. We should check them regularly and contact the bank or the card provider if you see anything that's suspicious or activity. And then do check your credit reports. Uh, you can get the free ones uh, through Experian, Equifax, and Trans- TransUnion, you know, getting those. And you might consider putting the, the freeze on your credit report uh, and, and how you might want to go about that because that's another way you can do that. Another one is to... Uh, do shred your bank statements, your tax forms, your medical bills, and all of those kinds of um, very personal information. Be sure that you shred them versus just putting them in the trash, right? And do use a pen or any other type of passcode for unlocking your laptop. There are so many times that people don't have their phones or their locks don't have codes on them, so people are able to get into them and get that information. Wow. Yeah, and using you know, um, multiple passwords online. That's a very good way to um, keep yourself safe. Sure, absolutely. A lot of great tips. Just that extra additional bit of security to help you from protection with that identity theft issue. We've got about a minute left here. Talk about what else is going on with the AARP. A lot of information. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome into Kansas Talk. It's hour number two right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM. Great to have you along for the ride today on a Saturday morning, getting things into high gear. Supposed to be relatively warm, I guess. Have some nice weather. Have a good weekend back at it next week as things slowly progressively getting warmer getting better as we go through the springtime and what a show we've had today already chris kobach candidate for attorney general on the show the last half hour we had phil martinez of fields coins 93 west central avenue on the program and here it's time again we haven't played this sounder in such a long time i think it's time that we do it again we built this as we have the man back in studio, Wichita City Council member, Mr. Brian Fry. Brian, it's good to see you, my friend. Oh, it's been way too long. It has been. It's always great to see you, Andy. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, it's always a highlight when I get to come in and talk to you. Oh, I love it. You're you're obviously one of my favorite guests. You're a good friend, personally. I love having you on. It's hard with a once-a-week local program <laughs> because there's so much local and statewide stuff going on that uh, we don't get to do like the yeah. weekly chat we used to anymore. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Um, first off, thank you for having this opportunity because there's not enough local programming, in my opinion. Yeah. And there is a lot of stuff happening across the state, across our city. Um, and so it's great to have this uh, chance to come in and talk about some of those things. But, uh, yeah, it's it's always a fun time. Uh, always. And now it's the perfect time. I mean, we're getting into springtime. We're getting into activities going on in the city right now. Things are picking back up. We're coming out of COVID-19, which yep. is kind of nice. And uh, uh, right now, 
as you guys start planning on what the year is going to look like, how are we looking as a city? Actually, very good. Uh, you're right. There's a lot of uh, desire to get back out and be active. You know, last year we kind of started that, um, but now I think everyone's completely ready to just put all that behind us and get back to pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, whether it's just, um, you know, getting out and enjoying yourself. We got the women's basketball tournament here in town this week, and our streets are full of people. Yeah. Uh, enjoying our restaurants and our and our nightclubs and spending dollars in our town, which is so critical. We need those tourism dollars during during COVID. Our hotels were really struggling. Our restaurants and nightclubs. And it's great to see them active and, and people out and about. And certainly the weather plays to that big time. But um, it's really important to get to back to that pre-COVID as soon as possible. Yeah. And actually get out and enjoy. Like you said, two weeks ago, we went to Interest Bank Arena for Disney on Ice. <laughs> of course little, you did. Uh, little <laughs> one enjoyed it. She loved it. And i got to say, they put on a good presentation. Last week, we went to Slipknot at Interest Bank Arena. See, that's what I thought you were going to say. My voice is still <laughs> recovering from that one. I, it was one of those that was like, okay, you know, they're the nostalgic high school band. Like, they're a little light for me even, but, you know, I've listened to them. Uh, just to say I've been to a Slipknot concert, I got to go. I actually enjoyed the intro with a, In This Moment is one of the bands that I really followed that, that was a, 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 an opener for them. And I'm so glad that I went because they did almost like an hour and a half long set. Wow. They went old school with all their old stuff that I listened to way back when. I screamed way too much and <laughs> literally it, it caused me to have the flu this last week where I, I was Ugh. sick as a dog all week long. I'm finally back at it. My voice isn't quite back up to par from a Slipknot concert a week ago. Come on, so, man. Uh, that's outstanding because I don't think I've ever heard anyone described Slipknot as a little light. That's a, yeah, they are. They're a little light in mainstream for me. But hey, you know what? It's a, it's a, it was a great show. Great show. And yeah, well, it just shows. And see, the next concert is actually the end of May at The Wave with a band called Parkway Drive. Okay. And uh, they're more in line with what I do. All right. And I bought the VIP mosh pit tickets there, and I can't wait. I'm counting down the days for that one now. That's outstanding. No, it's yeah. so important to have our venues active and, yeah. and being full of people again. Uh, it's just good for our, oh, it our is. psyche. We're back right? at it. People, yeah. are, people are wanting that human touch again and, and getting away from the Zoom and the virtual meetings. I still think there's going to be a place for virtual meetings in the future. They're not going away. Sure. But there's no substitute for being around other people. Yeah, oh, exactly. Exactly. And people are needing it. I mean, it was unfortunate that we had to cancel the uh, St. Patrick's Day Parade again this year. But I think next year it's going to be back at it. Riverfest is starting to build up again. Yep. So I think we're, we're almost there and people are just giddy to see it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that is very true. Now, the city as well, uh, you guys are, it's, uh, there's some stuff that I want to talk about that you've done here in a little bit, uh, but overall as the city, you guys are starting to working on budget stuff. The last time we talked, we uh, you guys were still working on the water treatment plant. I mean, That's, there's there's still a lot of yep. stuff in the motion for the city uh, for the city council as well. Oh, absolutely. And speaking of the water treatment plant, um, we just got a, an update last week. We're two years into the construction project. Hard to believe it's already yeah. been two years, but we started on this back in 2017, um, starting to setting up the plan and the design and doing all the uh, bidding and so forth. But two years into it, we've already put nearly 400,000 man hours um, on the project. Sure. And you drive by it, you can see significant structures um, underway. It It's coming out of the ground. We're still not looking towards uh, finish until 24. So we still have a couple of years. Sure. But it's... Under budget, it's on time. Uh, we did have a tragic accident a couple of weeks ago where a worker was killed on site, and that shut things down for a little bit. OSHA's investigating. 
Uh, I've talked to Wichita Water Partners about the situation, and again, completely tragic, um, and they're dealing with the best way they can right now. Sure. Um, but it's it's underway, and we had a water main issue this week, um, and that's under control. Again, you got a plant, a current plant that's 90 years old. There's going to be some things that fail and and yeah. complications along the way. Uh, but the crew's got it all under control, and it's fine, and there's no danger of a water shutoff or boiling water. So good. that's good. good to see. Um, we're currently in the design of the new wastewater treatment plant down south, which the number one priority there is not only to have it um, safe and being able to treat for the future, but also getting rid of the odor that that mm. plant causes. And if you've been down in South Wichita or driven through, you know you what I'm know. talking about. Yeah. Um, and so that's a big project. Uh, we're starting our budget for uh, 23, start the planning for it. Um, right now, we're looking to have a great year. Our sales tax revenues are up because everyone's out and spending money yep. compared to previous years. And so that's good. Uh, so the budget looks great. A um, couple of years out, we're going to you know, there's going to be some other headwinds that we're going to have to deal with. But right now, the budget situation looks good. And now, does that it, include the, some of the money that came in from the COVID relief as well? So that has helped. Okay. Um, and we're still trying to figure out exactly what to do with all of that money. We received, as a city, about $73 million. Uh, the bulk of that is going back to um, pro revenue loss, right? Okay. Things that we had to shut down. We had to do layoffs. We had to close certain things. And getting those staff back, getting those facilities reopened. Sure. That's the bulk of that revenue. We're also looking at rebuilding and or relocating police and fire stations with this federal money. Sure. Which is a big deal. Uh, we've got two police substations and three fire stations that we're looking to uh, remodel, relocate. Then we're also set aside money for affordable housing. That is a critical need throughout the country. There's not enough affordable housing for individuals. The pro supply chain has driven the cost up on building starter wild homes. Right now, yeah. And so we're at a crunch. We have a growing population as a city, but we don't have enough housing for everybody. So we set aside some money to help with that. We also set aside about $10 million to help with uh, economic development and workforce training, small business entrepreneurship, to help companies get some startup capital, get some additional advanced training sure. so that the jobs that we critically need people to fill right now, we have a workforce. So that was some grants that we're hoping to uh, award next week. I'm sorry, the first week in April. Okay. Um, about $6 million of the $10 million. And then we still have about $5 million that we've kind of set aside that we're going to see what opportunities might come forward. Sure. So we don't have to allocate all the money until the end of 24. So we've got some time to figure it out. So we said, you know what? We're taking care of the critical need right now. Right. And then we have a little bit that we can sit there and say, okay, if there's something special that comes up that we need some funding, now we can do it. Sure. But overall, our economic outlook looks good. The biggest challenge I believe we have is finding workers for the jobs. We've got great jobs available. Yeah. Uh, in aviation, advanced manufacturing, medical, data, IT, there's a lot of critical industries that need people. And well, it's we really just got to find them. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because that's where I wanted to go with that. I mean, it sounds like a really diverse industry as more people are coming in for right. 
uh, for, like you mentioned, I mean, aviation and working on entry-level positions to higher-end positions to IT positions. I mean, yep. the, the range of income, the range of uh, different interests is awesome because that's what we need to grow. Absolutely. And, you know, this has been a community that's always manufactured at aviation manufacturing, done that very well. Sure. But because of that skill set, we've developed additional capacity. Um, aerospace, that's a growing sector for us. And we've had uh, Blue Origin in town, and it sounds like we may even have some representatives from Elon Musk uh, aerospace company mm. coming into town. And this is all because of the work that NIAR is doing sure. uh, in the aerospace industry. Uh, and then again, data and IT, um, biomed or medical, uh, transportation, logistics. We're in the middle of the country. We're a great place for if you need to get something right. and get it shipped out. This is a great place to store it and then get it out to the coast quickly. That's right. Uh, so we've got a lot of great opportunity. It's just not one industry anymore. We've really tried to diversify our economy, and that's really helped. But it's also created a critical need for all these jobs. Sure. Yeah, that is very true. We have to have everything kind of grow with it uh, for the opportunity because, I mean, we can bring them in, but yeah, where are they going to stay? How are we going to take care of them? I mean, do we have the resources and the structure uh, to be able to take care of it? So we're getting there, almost there right now, but uh, yeah. we're getting there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And again, it doesn't help that the supply chain issues over the last couple of well, years. Well, there's that. Um, and everyone's struggling with that and trying to figure it out. And the light is getting dimmer on that. Sure. You know, over the next couple of years is what I'm hearing from the building and trade industries, but it's still going to be a, a challenge for the next couple of years. Sure, that is true. Uh, let's take a break here. Brian Fry, Wichita City Council member. When we come back, there's a lot that we want to talk about between what's going on with the city, trying to get things with some of the festivities going on this summer. Plus, as you mentioned, the budget, we still have the inflation rates nationwide that I think is affecting us here a little bit as well, so we can touch on that and some of the stuff that you've been working on that uh, the media, of course, losing their minds over you because you're just a controversial guy, Brian. Why not? I bring the drama. That's what you do. Yeah, you just, you're just a dramatic kind of guy. That's right. We'll touch on some of that and more. If you want to call in, I'd love to hear from you at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. It is Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Lots to get to. Stay here. I didn't plan this song actually playing right now. That, that was just, uh, is it coincidence or do you believe in coincidence? Karma. That's right. Welcome, welcome back into the program. It's Karma right here on uh, Candace Talk on the Big Talker KQAM, Wichita City Councilman Brian Fry hanging out with us here for uh, this hour. Let's talk about inflation, the budget right now. You guys doing some budgetary talks, obviously a big thing and uh, between trying to figure out how to come back, what's going to be normal after COVID, some of the COVID uh, relief money that came into the city, uh, and then with the, of course, 8% inflation rates that are just causing havoc across the nation right now as well. I mean, how are those com uh, complicating those conversations a little bit? Well, so we have to, by law, we have to have a balanced budget. Sure. And so we have that plan. We address it every quarter. We get reviews, quarterly updates, how we're doing. Um, sales tax revenue, we monitor that on a monthly basis. 
sales tax revenue is up for the city. It was up last year, greater than expected, and it's, and so far this year it's ahead of schedule as well. So that certainly helps on the inflation issues. Understand that 53% of our budget is police and fire, salary, and benefits. Mm. And then when we add public works budget of uh, salary and benefits, now we're up to 74% of our budget. It's just staffing sure. in those three departments. Uh, certainly fuel cost is an issue when you're looking at uh, police cruisers and fire trucks and all the public works vehicles. So we uh, that's definitely a concern, but the, uh, the biggest expense we have is staffing. Sure. And we just renegotiated our police union contract last year just agreed to a new three-year term at the end of the, at the beginning of this year so that's good for the next three years um, we'll be in negotiations this year with the fire union okay and so that'll be something that we'll have to address going into the next three-year phase as well sure um, so again with the bulk of our budget being tied to those three areas that's police fire and public works um, and just trying to maintain yeah. those salaries and Recruiting. That is one of the biggest challenges we have right now is recruiting for police and fire uh, positions. You, you've seen the struggles with EMS on the county side and even 911 operators. Sure. Um, first responders right now, mental health workers is another big challenge. And so finding people in those professions, not only to get them to want to go down that line of yep. work, but then also being able to be competitive with neighboring communities. Tulsa has been in our market trying to recruit EMS folks and paying premiums. Interesting. So it's a battle across every community across the country and finding people for these positions. And so that drives up our salary and benefit costs. But we can plan for that. Um, the competition but, between cities now when it comes yeah. to the first responders. Exactly. Yeah, it's go. just absolutely insane. Yeah. Um, but it's critical. That's one of our, that is one of our top priorities as, as a council sure. is keeping this community safe. And that means police, fire, EMS, 911. And so that's our number one responsibility. And so we've got to fund that. Yeah. Um, but the, the fuel cost for, we've met, changed a lot of our buses to electric. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Because of the diesel cost. And we've been making more challenges or changes with that. Um, so just commodity pricing we'll deal with. Um, but again, salaries and benefits is the most uh, challenging area for our budget. Yeah. Speaking of the first responders, I I know you guys don't have a whole lot to do with the process, but uh, police chief and that process finding a new one. How's that going? Oh, absolutely. That's a uh, number one priority right now yeah. um, for finding a replacement for Chief Ramsey. We have hired an executive search firm who specializes okay. in police recruitment. We did a national search and um, interviewed, I think there were seven proposals. Mm -hmm. And then the steering committee selected this company that, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but that's what they specialize in. Okay. And they will help us determine what the community wants in a new police chief before we go out to find a new police chief. Okay. That's where it starts first off. It's like, okay, in this day and age and where we're going as a community, what do our neighbors want in a new police chief? Mm. And so that will help us drive the criteria for what we go out and then try to higher sure and so it'll be a national search i'm sure there will be local candidates regional candidates but uh, it starts with finding out what the community really wants and we've got challenges i mean there's uh, an uptick in violence there's an uptick obviously in in drug use and trafficking right um so we got to get a handle on that community policing has always been 
a hallmark of our efforts. So you guys have always put a lot of attention on that, for sure. Absolutely, and that's where I think the best interactions come from neighbors, finding out our police officers, finding out what our neighbors are concerned with, being present, being uh, visible in the neighborhoods. That's what community policing is. It's having that one-on-one interaction. It's just not sitting in a car waiting for things to happen. It's being out visible and talking to business owners, neighborhood associations, homeowners associations, find out where the challenges are. Um, but that's where it starts, that community policing effort. And, you know, we've been very successful in getting grants federally to help us with special projects, but it still goes back to having enough manpower. Sure. Yeah, that's always the big focus, and it's unfortunate. I mean, we saw the incident that happened, what, a week or so ago now with the gang shooting at the mall yep. uh, with the kid that was that was really unfortunate and uh, the fact that, that, that stuff's still prevalent in the community and it's as we grow, we're going to see, unfortunately, I think more of those problems kind of come up and, when it comes to policing, when it comes to community policing, we need to be right on par with that. And, and we can't wait to address it when the violence happens. Right. We've got to be a lot more proactive, starting earlier yeah. with our children. You know, literacy is such a uh, number one issue of what causes a person to maybe go the wrong way. Right. And so getting to kids early, kindergarten, second grade, third grade, making sure that they've got the ability to improve themselves because they're you know, they're not living in squalor. They've got an education. They've got access to healthy food. Right. Getting started early with it and not waiting for it to manifest into violence. Try to get ahead. And that's what we have to be a lot more proactive on. Yeah. That is very true. It's a great conversation, and it's a great investment that we need to start on early on, and I think that you guys are doing a good job with that. Hopefully, we can get somebody uh, in about 20 seconds here. Do you have a time frame on the process of when it should be done? Uh, probably five or six months is what it's going to okay. take us. That's what we hope. Perfect. Very good. We'll continue this when we come back. Bottom of the hour break. We got to take here on Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Lots more coming up. Stay here. Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into Kansas Talk here on the home stretch. Last half hour already goes by way too fast. Flying right on by here for a Saturday morning. Thanks for hanging out with us here. By the way, I want to remind you that, yes, I don't know if you heard it or not, Brian, on Thursday this week, we had the man himself, Dr. Robert Malone, on the program with us here. He was on the Joe Rogan podcast, obviously the big deal, the guy that had created the mRNA technology for the vaccines. Wow. And uh, he is talking about now the fact that you don't need two, three, four booster shots and how that's actually damaging your immune system by doing so many and and uh, how that's been taken away from the intent of what they created to finding out the long-term effects of those vaccines and uh, wasn't uh, the big fan of forcing everybody to do that stuff. So uh, he's been silenced all over social media. They've been shutting him down left and right, and uh, we had the opportunity to talk with him just a couple of days ago. Is that something that's still available on on a podcast yeah, somewhere? Yeah, it's still okay. on a podcast. Yep, you can still, uh, still find it on the Voice of Reason podcast. And uh, it, it's funny because um, I would think with a higher profile guest like that that the numbers would be higher on listenership on that one. It was actually lower 
But then I got a whole bunch of emails of people saying that I couldn't find it. Oh. So uh, I, I think the podcasting sites were like not wanting it to be as public either. So it's still there, but you're not getting notified if you're a subscriber to it. You actually have to go out and look for it yourself. All right. I'll go check it out because yeah. I'm very interested. I, I think part of it is people are COVID weary. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're ready to put it behind them. And they're ready to, like we talked about at the beginning of the show. They're ready to get on with their lives and get back to that pre-COVID time. But that's important stuff to understand. Yeah. And what you do with it going forward, yeah, I'll definitely try and find that. It's it's very interesting. He's the one, I'm sure you heard that term, mass formation psychosis. Uh, it's, it, yes, well, we're just we're just all going along with uh, whatever they tell us to do. Again, another phrase I never would have thought I'd ever hear in my life. I know, right? right? Yeah, it's, you know, slip, social distancing, light, mass formation psychosis. <laughs> social distancing, <laughs> social masking. I mean, come on. Yeah. It is what it is, but. There is, which we're going to get to some of the school board back on, but I know that's been the big battle with the masks and the, the, the mandates in the schools. Uh, the city, no, we're, we're pretty much all open, all right, all right back, right? Right. We're, we do not require masking at any of our facilities yeah. any longer. That's been all removed. Good. I love it. We have some calls on the line. We'll get to them in just a second here. But uh, I do want to talk to you about some of the stuff that you've been working on uh, because, of course, you're just, you know, pushing the button, just ruffling the feathers. It's like you you should have your own radio show. I tell you, <laughs> you're just, you know, the shock jock, just causing some issues in this in the city, huh? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Bring the drama. Yeah. How could you? How could you? But what have you been working on? Um, so you're probably referring to the ethics complaint yes. that I filed uh, a week, a little over a week ago. Yes. Um, and this goes back to a couple of years ago when Mayor Whipple first came into office. Um, he wanted to hire a position, new position, uh, for being an assistant to the mayor. And at that time, we were in the beginning stages of COVID and we were laying people off. And we're like, we don't have the ability right now. There's already an, an assistant to the mayor. And just use that person the way you'd like to see used Sure, um, in that role. And, and we battled over that. That was public um, during a meeting. And obviously we weren't hiring anybody, so that wasn't going to happen. Right. Um, and then um, some shuffling internal, got a different position doing that job and seems things seem to be okay for the last year. And then that person decided to retire. Mm. And so with that, this is when, and, and all along this time, um, we started working on a new ethics policy. Sure. And, you know, during the campaign for mayor back in 19, it was all about cronyism and backroom deals and, you know, um, bad ethics. And so this policy needed to come forward to try to stop some of these things. So supportive of that. Yes, let's clean house. Let's make sure going forward sure. that I'm fine with making a stronger ethics policy. Yeah. But then we have to follow that. And all along, when he was trying to advocate for this position, he said that that person would not engage in political activities. That wasn't the role of the assistant to the mayor. Sure. It was for civic engagement. It was for policy uh, research to try to figure out what kind of things we need to be working. Okay, good. I, I'm fine with all that. Um, but when the current assistant to the mayor decided to retire, that's when this same person that he had pushed for back in 20, he pushed to bring her back into the office as his new assistant mm -hmm. and inserted himself into the hiring process, which is a clear violation of the policy that we adopted sure. where it specifically states that you can, that you have to refrain from patronage and not interfere with the hiring process that officials should refrain from expressing an improper interest in the hiring process. Never had a problem with this person's qualifications. 
on her own merit, she's worthy of the job. Sure. The challenge was, during the interview process, Mayor Whipple sat in during the interview and was part of the panel that made the recommendation. That's where it crossed the line. That's where it, in my opinion, it violated the ethics policy. And so that's why I filed the complaint. I'm like, if we're going to have this ethics policy, it applies to all of us. Sure. And it, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I don't know that, you know, that phrasing, right? But um, to me, that's where it drew the line. And it has nothing to do with Casey's qualifications or, or uh, she made it through the process on her own merit. Um, so you didn't need to meddle. Right. Um, because she earned that right to be interviewed. But when you stepped into it, that's when it became political patronage. That's when it became cronyism. And that's why I filed the complaint. My question is, why does the mayor need such a special assistant anyways? We've gone how many years with a mayor that hasn't had a special assistant doing additional things? I know that there has been, you know, again, Mayor Brandon Whipple, like him, dislike him, his policy, his politics. I don't care for his politics and what he's done uh, in a lot of those policy decision makings. But, you know, it seems like that he's tried to grow that seat more than what it was intended to do it's really supposed to just kind of head up the city council as a whole instead of its own branch and entity isn't it i mean it seems like he's kind of grown it a little bit more than what that seat was intended to be originally from all the other mayors that we've seen in wichita so there's a lot to unpack with that and um (laughs) i'll try to so we are a a manager form of governor manager council form of government Mm -hmm. where the city manager acts as the CEO. We have 3,200 employees, a budget of over half a billion dollars. Sure. Um, it's, you have to have someone at that level that can run the business of City Hall. Then the council and the mayor are the board of directors and the chairman of the board, right? So we set the policy. Sure. And then require the manager to make that happen okay. through the business operation. So um, we're the policymakers. We... We help set the tax rate. You know, we approve the budget. That's where, but when it comes to the day-to-day business, that's where we need the manager. Sure. Um, Previous mayors have always had an assistant to the mayor, but that person has been more of a scheduler, um, travel arrangement, keeping the mayor at their different responsibilities, right? Because keeping them on track. We are the face. We're the ambassadors for the city sure. so we have to make a lot of appearances we have to meet with a lot of different leaders which i'm assuming so, that position is already there so that position is already yeah. there the difference with mayor whipple and i don't find any fault with this sure as we have become a larger city and continue to have greater challenges and new challenges it's more than just a scheduler sometimes you need additional help for doing research follow up on stuff having an extra voice in the room uh, to help figure things out. And so that was my pushback with him. It's like, you've got the person, just help shape them in the way you want to shape them. Right. And each mayor's different, sure. right? Some mayors don't need that extra help. Some want that extra help. And so that's the power of the mayor's office. You can help shape that staff person to help you through that. It's just depending upon what your need is. Sure. The difference was he wanted his campaign manager to have that job. That's where it crossed the line a on the bit political. Of a conflict of interest there. Right. Yeah. That's where it became more than just an assistant. It became a political activist in that office. Right. And again, you can do that separately. You don't have to do that within the f- confines of the mayor's office. You can still have that advisor. And, and I talk to different people all the time. Sure. Right. And that's my role as a councilman where I have to have a wide spectrum 
of ideas and people talking to me so that I can represent my neighbors the best way possible. Sure. Um, but when you're putting your campaign manager in that position, that's where it crosses the line. What a weird situation. <laughs> what a weird, just a weird thing. I mean, yeah, it is. It, it definitely, I mean, while you're the, the controversial one for bringing this up to light, I mean, the fact that it's even happening in the first place is just right. very strange for us. And again, this has never been an attack on the person that he was wanting. No. It has nothing yeah. to do with her qualifications. It has to do with But they should be aware of the like, cronyism. Hey, there's a bit of a controversy here. There's a bit of a, you know, a, yeah, a, a conflict of interest here. Right. You know, is this the best thing for the city as a whole, for the mayor's seat as a whole, is this the best thing for us, or you know, should we just kind of do something different? Yeah, I mean, so even to our appointments, the people that we put on different boards and commissions, we're not supposed to cross that line. I had forgotten that, and I had appointed um, one of my business associates that I'm a business partner with to the park board, because he had been the former mayor's appointee mm. and had done such a great job with it. I thought, yeah, it's good that you should stay on this, because sure. you bring that history and that knowledge because you'd been on the park board for such a long time after i made the appointment i'm like oh wait he's my business partner i can't do that and so i had to remove him the following week i removed him I'm like look i made a mistake i sure i shouldn't have done this sure so i took him off not immediately across your mind originally yeah yeah i had forgotten that it and it's like okay right so Wow. Very interesting. So with the ethics complaint that you did file, what's the process there? And is it going to be viewed? Uh, I mean, where is it at? So the ethics board will have their first meeting in April and they have to determine uh, the ethics officer, which will be a separate person from the body. Um, and we've been asking people to come forward to who's got a skill set in this, who either legal background or, you know, something along those lines. Sure. To be that ethics officer to start pulling these together and having the board review them. So their first action will be in April. This is the first complaint that's been filed. Um, I don't know if there will be others, but um, this is the first one. So they will hear it probably in April and then, you know, they can levy fines. Sure. Um, and then see what happens. See after what happens that. there. Sure. Very interesting. Very good. Let's take one more break here. Let's get ready to wrap up the show. When we come back, I want to talk about going into election season and have you lay out from the city and county levels from what you've seen, what elections and what seats are coming up so people are aware of exactly what they need to focus on for election season because it's going to be some big ones here over the next year going into midterms this year and next year as well. So we'll do all that and more when we come back. Get ready to wrap up the show today. Plus, we do have a caller. Stay on the line. We'll get to you when we come back here as well. It's Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Two minutes here of the program. We have the weekend coming up here on KQAM. Joe Pags is not with the weekend anymore. So I believe this week, I don't remember who's filling in for the weekend, but you'll see that right around the corner here on KQAM in just a few minutes. We have Brian Fry, Wichita City Councilman, hanging out here for a few minutes as well. And we have some callers. So let's jump right to you at 316 721 8255. Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello. Going once, going twice. All right, give us a call back. We want to hear from you. Never mind then. So these aren't the George you're looking for. That's right. Uh, 
Let's talk about moving forward a little bit. Obviously, we have a big year. It's going to be a lot of fun with election season. It's going to be uh, a big summer, as you mentioned, as we've talked about with COVID. But uh, going into elections, just uh, there's a lot of elections and a lot of races that are going on in this next year. Absolutely. So give us a rundown uh, from the city level here on uh, and county level, what people can expect and what kind of to keep their ear out going into midterms for Absolutely. So currently for 22, there are no citywide elections. Okay. Um, that will not That's take all for place. The next year. Yeah, that'll take place in 23, and it'll be uh, the mayor's race and then districts two, four, and five. Uh, District two is currently council member, vice mayor, Becky Tuttle. Uh, District four is Jeff Bluebaugh, who will be finishing his last year next year. He's termed so out. It'll be an open seat. It'll be an open seat in 23 for District four. And then I'll be on my last year as District five. And okay. so District five will be an open seat as well. So. Uh, very significant elections next year in the city in 23. Uh, in 22, we have, at a local level, the county races. The right. county commission has three seats up for re-election. Uh, Commissioner Meitzner, who's who's filed and has a Democrat opponent that's filed. Okay. Uh, Lacey Cruz is up for re-election, okay. and she has a opponent, a, a Republican opponent already. I don't know that she has a Democrat primary opponent, but she has had a Republican file against oh, her. Democrats would try and primary her. That'd be interesting. <laughs> that, that, it would they be might interesting. need to, but you yeah. know. <laughs> uh, and then Commissioner Howell is up for re-election, and he has filed. And I believe he has an opponent, but I'm not positive. Interesting. So three county commissioners are up for re-election. They do not have term limits on the county side. Sure. It's going to be an interesting election for sure. Yeah. And then Statewide, all of the uh, state representatives are up for re-election, as well as the Attorney General, uh, Secretary of State, yeah. Treasurer, and obviously the Governor. Yeah. So statewide, very important race. Um, currently, both in the House and the Senate, they have super majorities, um, and so that's going to be a push to continue that um, veto-proof supermajority that has been exercised a couple of times sure. already um, but the the big there is is the governor's race sure. um, trying to for the Republicans getting one of theirs back in there um, and then attorney general that's going to be a, you had Chris Kobach on earlier I listened to that uh, that's an important race as well and, and you've got I think there's a minimum of three candidates already there between yeah. uh, Chris uh, Kelly Warren and Tony Mativi sure so and those are three Republicans. Right. Yeah, just the Republican race. Yeah. Right. And and so that's going to be an interesting race to watch for sure. Um, but, yeah, this is a critical year statewide and countywide. Citywide, it's next year. Now, for the city and county seats, anything changing at all when we talk about the redistricting, when we talk about uh, any of the redrawing of the lines with yep. the, the census stuff, does that affect you guys at all at the local level here? So we will do the city redistricting this summer. Uh, the okay. county has finished theirs, and the state's in the middle of, of theirs right now as well. Right. Um, but the city follows at the end. Afterwards, and okay. So we don't start our process until July. Um, each one of us will appoint a member to a redistricting committee Okay. Uh, to look at how it shapes. We've seen the most growth in this city in Districts 2, which is Northeast Wichita, and District 5, my, my district, Northwest Wichita. Okay. So we'll probably see a little contraction in both of those districts because the boundaries continue to push outward sure. and more people are moving into those districts. So the expansion where that will come out of, 
Will District 5 lose some to District 4, which is on the south side, or District 6, which is on the east side? Same with District 2. Have to see how that plays out. Um, Potential of a new seat at all? No, I don't think so. Okay. No, there's there's been talk about do we need to make council members full-time? Do we need to expand it? Currently, I represent about 63,000 people. Okay. Um, each one council member represents about the same number. Um, but if, if you're going to, then the question is, if you make this seat full-time, then do you pay for a full-time position? Right. I don't believe a city council seat should be a full-time or a full. Look, I make $50,000 as, as a city council member. Sure. That's a pretty significant salary already. That's already like a full-time salary. It yeah. is. For yeah. a lot of people, it is. And so I really don't think you need to have, it should be a servant's heart doing this job. Sure. I'm not in it for the money. That's why I also have a, another part-time job and I'm a owner of a business. I mean, so right. um, I, I do things to make ends meet for the lifestyle I want. But for some people, a $50,000 a year is a great salary. Yeah. But I still believe you should do this job because you believe in your city and you have a servant's heart and you want to make it better. Sure. Um, adding more council members, I don't know. Uh, I haven't just, haven't really thought that one through yet. That would be, yeah. I, I mean, I would hate to see that. I don't want us to do that yet. I guess until we got to the point where it would expand so big that we'd have to kind of divide up more. Of the city, but right now, I mean, if you guys redraw it, make things balanced out a little bit, I think it's going to work out pretty nicely. A quick example is if you look at the city of Cleveland, they have 17 different wards. Wow. Each council member represents about 20, but that makes very difficult decisions when you start talking policy and shaping stuff because you've got all these different opinions and it's hard to get to a consensus. Exactly. You got too many talking heads, you can't actually get anything done. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Just like in Washington, (laughs) D.C. I love it. Brian Fry, Wichita City Council member. Always good to talk to you, my friend. It's been way too long to see you soon. Congratulations on all your stuff and look forward to getting back here and here soon. We'll do it again. Until then, we're back at it next weekend for Candace Talk. Back at it on Monday for our national broadcast of The Voice of Reason. Everybody have a great weekend. We will see you on the radio.